Doctrine of Grace, where we come face-to-face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Encounter Grace. My name is Ben Hendricks, and I, as always, am here with Jason McKnight. But here at the start of 2022, we want to kick off the year right and kick it off well, but also encourage everyone to do an audit of our lives, to take stock and make course corrections. And really, it's just a wise thing to do once in a while to kind of look at your life and see the good and maybe some of the bad that's seeped in as well and have a, you know, a kind of a sober exploration beats a rash New Year's resolution. I hate New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I always love the idea. It's the outworking and the fulfillment of that. Yeah, and it's the failure on day six. <laughs> yeah, always, right? And so I, maybe we have not really thought about this, but you know, as we've kind of processed, we, we found that there are four books that determine the course of your life. Hmm. Four books that guide us or gut us. Four books that make, us, make all the difference in how our lives unfold. Our checkbook, our date book, our phone book, and the good book. And of course, all of these books are just shorthand, right? I don't even know what a right. phone book is. <laughs> but a checkbook is how we handle our money. The date book, how we schedule our lives. A phone book, our relationships. And then, of course, the good book, hmm. how we think about God's purposes for us. So over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of go back and forth between talking about these four different books and then even have a, another intro, another person in as well. <laughs> and the hope is that we can live with more confidence. Yeah. And so today I want to talk to you, Jason, about what, what it means to have a date book. That this does not mean the book of <laughs> all the girls we've dated, right? And <laughs> I'm sure yours is mighty long. <laughs> no, not so long. All those Canadian women. It means our calendar, our app on the phone that keeps us straight, the dates that run us, Mm. the habits that we start forming, the places we have to be to keep our lives going, right? All the ways that we fill the great amount of time the Lord has given us. So Jason, how, how can getting our schedules right lead us to more joy in life? And that's really the question is how, how each of the, looking at each of these books, how can it get us to the joy that God has for us, for the mm. flourishing God has for us? So right on, 100%. And um, really, I think when we think about our date book, when we think about our calendar, when we think about our schedules, I think the question can be distilled all the way down to something as simple as this. Do you run your schedule or does your schedule run you? Mm. Uh, this past fall... I had two of the busiest months that I've ever had in 18 years in Kinston. I mean, there were things going on in my extended family. There were things going on at Grace. We were, uh, you, Ben, were out having a baby. So we were (laughs) doing a little bit more on the podcast. And there was a a mayoral election and we had all the mayor candidates in here. Stuff was going on with South America Mission. On top of all that, we had college applications for one of our boys who's hoping to maybe go to college. And then, uh, which, you know, he wanted to apply to a bunch of colleges, not realizing there's essays for each one. Uh. <laughs> and then six weeks in a row of travel. And on top of all that, we had a little renovation project going on at our home. It was the busiest two months or two and a half months that I've ever had in Kinston. And there was no rest. There was just no rest. Uh, it was hairy. The schedule ran me. 
for that season. There was no getting away from it. But it reminded me that many people face that kind of an existence every day through no fault of their own. Like mm -hmm. stuff has just happened to them. But it also reminded me that some people allow that kind of existence. They could have a different one, but the schedule runs them and they just feel frantic and they feel all the way like the water's up to their chin and they can't get a breath. So how does God's life of flourishing, is it able to be manifested in our schedules? Does God want us mm -hmm. in the rat race? I mean, how do we combine taking advantage of these opportunities we have in our area, being productive with our lives at work, because that's part of God's plan, giving our best to our family and giving our excellence to our work calling and combine rest and renewing without guilt and without exhaustion. Like all those things from opportunities to productivity to excellence and giving our best to our families and relationship and resting, all of that is what's made up in the schedule. Mm -hmm. And so let's do an audit of our schedule, an audit of our date book. <laughs> Not the little black book, as Ben has already said. I wrote that joke for him and he stumbled over it. It was great. <laughs> you didn't know it was coming. <laughs> so I think the first thing, uh, yeah, I know. I think the first thing, let me just frame it with two passages from scripture, super simple, very famous. I mean, we don't do anything new here. We just remind us of the good thing that's yeah. already out there. So in Psalm 90, the only Psalm written by Moses who made it to 120. So he knows a little bit about schedules. He says, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So Psalm 90, teach us to number our days aright. In other words, teach us to live properly on the days we have so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to think carefully about our days, to give consideration to them, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wouldn't you love to live with wisdom? Well, that's Psalm yeah. 90. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 31, another verse that is just one of my favorites, uh, and you'll see why in a second. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, that's why it's my favorite, <laughs> do it all for God's glory. Yeah. I mean, whatever you do, whether you plan your schedule, do it all for God's glory. So right at the front end here, I just think as we launch into this idea of how do we live in routines and schedules and rhythms, a heart of wisdom and the glory of God. Like yeah. that's, that's what we're about. Let's live wisely, but we want to live so that God is glorified. Yeah, I love that. Just because one of the more helpful things that the Lord has taught me, specifically like in the last couple of years, as I've become more and more scheduled. Hmm. as I've had more things to take care of and make sure I, you can keep moving them up and all that stuff, it, it's just the value of a day. Like that, mm. you know, God's given us a certain amount of days, and we don't know that number, yeah. but to have to look at each one as valuable. You know, not, not every day is everything, and we need that help, mm -hmm. but every day is something. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have to see that every day we have to change the world and drastically change something, but that it is a valuable day. It's worth something. I love that. Yeah, that's very good. Okay, so when we get down to doing it, um, the, <laughs> the, the first principle, and it's very famous and it's very old, and you know it as soon as I'm going to say it, people, you know, maybe, maybe it's this, put the boulders in first. Mm -hmm. And I don't even remember who first said it or first illustrated it, um, but it's kind of this, this, the story is told of this high school science class or physics class, and the teacher brings out a two-gallon bucket, puts it on the desk, it's empty, 
and with a lid. And then there's a pile of different sized rocks on the table. There's like sand, a, a pile of sand, and then some pebbles and gravel and small stones and softball sized rocks and a big soccer ball. And the teacher just says, the science teacher just says, look, all of this fits in that two gallon bucket. Make it so and put the lid on. And the kids just throw it all in randomly. And of course, the rocks don't fit when you throw it all willy nilly. Mm. Especially if you start with the sand, put the gravel in. You just can't get everything in to get the lid shut. But the trick is, and this is what everybody knows, whoever first did it, now you can watch it on YouTube. But the trick is, if you put that soccer ball sized rock in first, and then those softball sized rocks in, and then work your way down, it all fits because the smaller stones fit in and fill in the space around the larger ones. And the sand, it just kind of gets in all the nooks and crannies and the lid snaps shut. You put the boulder in first. That's true for our schedules. As we do life, if we want to do it with a heart of wisdom and to the glory of God, you put the boulders in first. Where do we, what are the biggest, biggest, biggest things in your estimation or in your life? Figure out those and everything else is going to take care of itself. Now, I think the first thing people often think is work. Because, you know, you don't yeah. work, you don't live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, right. I actually think there's a bigger boulder than work as for believers. Hmm. And for me, as a follower of Jesus, not because of what I do for a living, but as a disciple of the Lord Jesus, for me... I order my daily and weekly schedule around the Lord. Mm. And church is non-negotiable. Being with God's people in God's house on the Lord's day for the praise of God is absolutely non-negotiable. That's the soccer ball in my regular schedule. Yeah. Obviously, there's days you're not there, like because that happens and, and we travel and stuff, you know, whatever. Yeah. I get it. But it's not like when hunting season's in, I don't go to church or when, you know, different things. Church, like the people of God in God's presence, that's the non-negotiable in my followership of Jesus because he invites us to that. You know, don't give up the habit of meeting together. Second thing right with that is my house church family. House church isn't an event you sign up for. It's a family you're bonded to. Yeah. And so that, of course, takes time. Two more boulders, like now I got a lot of boulders, but you know me, I'm an optimist. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's a big a bucket. <laughs> but two more is um, family dinners and daily quiet times. Hmm. And, and that's for me. Now, again, I'm not talking as a professional Christian, a vocational pastor. Sure. I'm talking as a believer. I'm talking as someone who just wants to please Jesus, even if, you know, no matter what I do in life. Family dinners... Again, we don't get to do family dinners every night, but we do our best to organize ourselves around the table at the dinner hour in some way. And even now, even now, uh, Andrew's basketball season, basketball practice means he doesn't get home some nights till almost eight o'clock. Well, we, we don't quite wait that late to eat because some of us get a little hangry. Uh, but you know what we do? We, we do dessert with him. He's hmm. eaten his warmed up plate and the three of us come, we sit around the table and for 15 minutes even, we're just kind of there as a family table time. FaceTime, it's a boulder in our family. It mm. just means something to us. And then, and then the last one for me personally is as a follower of Jesus, daily quiet time. Like without this, I have no fuel for the day. I don't have an electric car, but like imagine you're plugging your Tesla in 
and you can run X number of miles and then you got to plug it in and it takes half hour to recharge the battery. Yeah. I, I think I can run 36 hours <laughs> without fresh grace from the Lord. But then like the Tesla, you got to plug me in. I start getting <laughs> short with people, you know, and, and that's why honestly vacations are a little weird because the routine at home of being with the Lord each day, everything goes out the window on vacation and it's fun. Mm -hmm. But you know, I get a little shorter after five days. That's true. <laughs> it's for more than just that, but you know. So those are the four, four boulders I start with. Uh, weekly with God's people, the house church family that God's bonded me to, table time with our family, and plugging into God's grace alone each day. I love that. It's like these most important things don't always take the most amount of time either. Hmm. Like a lot of these are not things that, I mean, like you haven't even mentioned work yet, I don't believe. Right. And I mean, that's probably the thing that's going to take the most amount of time. But those family dinners, I mean, 15 minutes. Or yeah. you're quiet time, maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes. And for some of us, it might be five. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I, I tell our students all the time, five minutes a day, five times a week will change your life. It's right. Those boulders, man, they, the, the weight that they carry, it'll, it, it affects a lot. That's a really good point. Um, because I think, you know, next, next is like the next size boulder after the, after the big one, which for me is four, uh, <laughs> <laughs> really is work. Like God's called us to do something yeah. with our lives. And, and for those of us who work outside the home, he's called us to give our best to that. I mean, to give our best in relationships with people, but to give our excellence to the things he's called us to. Nobody, I mean, the Lord does not want Christians being bad employees hmm. or bad bosses or bad owners. Like he wants us to do our best there. So that's a boulder. And I, I just got to account for that. And for those of us called to work inside the home, he, he has for us to be stay-at-home dads, stay-at-home moms who give their best to their family and the, and the, and the gracious administration of the household economy. Like mm. economy is the word that means household in Greek. So this is like the most important thing people can do if you're a stay-at-home dad or a stay-at-home mom is to run your home well. Yeah. I mean, it's not just... Anyway, the exercise, sleep... Rest, these three things, that's the next size boulder. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the, the, the sleep part a little later. And the next size boulder is the fun because there are a whole bunch of different things. Like there might be a Duke game or a Montreal hockey game two nights a week, three nights a week. Those are kind of fun. They are. I don't get to see all of them. Why? Because it's not the biggest boulder. It's now we're getting down to the gravel and the sand. Yeah. And the little project, you know, when I was making the desk that I, that I love in my office, well, it took me weeks and weeks and weeks on a Saturday afternoon at the workshop. But some Saturdays I skipped because it's gravel. Yeah. Because I had to do, anyway, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the Sunday afternoon nap, everyone loves it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get one every week, but you try. And then the smallest bit there, the, the, now, you're down, now you're down to the, the, the time wasters that are just there, the multitasking, social media kind of stuff. And mm. they're just fun. It's candy, man. It's candy. But when all you eat is candy, if, you know, I'm changing metaphors, it's just <laughs> a disaster. It's a disaster. Now, look, this is me. It's not you. Everybody's got to make their own boulders and figure it out. But the point is, have you done an audit? Yeah. And it's funny how quickly some of those sand things, like, or those really small gravel things, really do just kind of find their way in. Because mm -hmm. right, the boulders you have to pick up and just place in there. You can almost accidentally drop the sand in the in the bucket, and it just fills your schedule, and whether you mean to or not. And then all of a sudden, you just ended up with a whole bucket of sand. Oh, man, if you want the fear of the Lord in you, just look on your screen time. Oh, gosh. 
It I'm just, telling you. It just, man. It's, it's convicting for sure. Yeah. Because it's a lot of sand. Yeah. And I never think it's that much, but man. It's just interesting. It is interesting. I don't think it's that much. I, I was shocked. I, I looked back, you know, yesterday preparing for this yeah. over the last three weeks, and I dropped my jaw. I was like, seriously? That much time on my screen? I had no idea. You know, and I'm trying. <laughs> like, imagine <laughs> if I wasn't trying, which you can. Just look at me at different times. Uh, here's the other fun thing about um, getting the boulders in first, the really important things that you know you're not going to fudge on. It allows you to evaluate requests on your time. Because everything, you know, whether it's an opportunity or whether it's a specific ask, and it allows you, as Stephen Covey said, to say no because you have a bigger yes inside. Yep. When you know what you're really wanting to do, then as, as something comes across your radar screen, you can say, whoops, that doesn't fit in. Like, for instance, for in, our, in my sense, uh, you know, table time is a big deal for our family. Especially, this is Andrew's senior year. He's going off next year. Like these, like I practically cry at the, no, I don't really. <laughs> but, you know, if we're not fighting, if we're laughing, because the fights happen too, but, you know, the kids get to see that. If someone said to me, hey, Jace, I want you to join this club in this community club, and it meets six to eight Tuesdays and Thursday nights, it's, an, it's no, I'm not doing it right now. I might do it in five years. I'm not doing it right now because this is table time time. But I don't want to disappoint that person in my personality. But now I know I got a bigger yes inside. So I can say, actually, I can't make that work. But thanks for the invite. Call me again Yeah. in five years. And what's funny is, like, I've had to walk through that pretty recently, just with the birth of Harper, mm. of having to look at my time. I mean, I really did this. Like, I, I, I'd kind of already thought about it a good bit. But right before she was born, I, I looked at my schedule. And was like, I spent a lot of time doing, you know, A, B, or C. And I need to just prepare my heart to get rid of A, B, and C if I have to. Mm. And am I willing to do that? And so I had to kind of make a list of here are the things that are the non-negotiables. Like, I mean, so it was yeah. legitimately like follower of Christ. So that means, you know, being God's work, being at church, not because I'm on staff, but because I want to yeah. commune with God's people. Well, that next is husband. Okay. Next is dad. And then there's work. And and what like what does that look like? And then then I get to be the, uh, you know, whatever else it is like whether it's a sport, whether it's, I mean a hobby or whatever. Like then you add in all those things, those big boulders first, and then and you get to just look at like all these things that used to just creep in. Well, now you fend them off for the sake like for the the safety of the boulder or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I I find that so helpful. Yeah. Another thing is you're doing an audit of the of your schedule number of days are right, um, it, sleep. <laughs> When's the I last like this time, one. Yeah, this is really fun. When's the last time you thought about how much sleep you should be getting, how much sleep you are getting, how much yeah. sleep God wants you to get? Yeah. Like, thanks be to God, sleep is a gift from Him. He's wired us to rest. And um, it seems to be that between six to eight hours a night is what He gives to most people the sleep. There's some people who need more sleep than that and some people that can thrive on less sleep than that. But the most of us seems to be six to eight is the key. Well, now all you have to do is take a couple of steps, like sit down for 10 minutes and figure this out or while you're driving down the street. Like if I've got to get up and out the door at eight o'clock to get to work, my calling, and if I've got to also help my family get out the door 
and also get ready to get to work and also, you know, make some breakfast or lunch or whatever, and also kind of plug the Tesla in in the morning so get fresh grace from the Lord. Well, when do I need to wake up? You know, and maybe it's, okay, I back all that up and now it's 6.15 yeah. to get out at 8 so that I can, okay, so 6.15. So then when do I need to go to bed to get 6.15 in a way? Like this is really elementary. Yeah. But, you know, if God says, hey, I love you, I want you rested six hours, seven hours, seven and a half hours a night, eight hours, here's here's what that means. So then somehow 1030 at night, you're sort of in that vein. To me, again, I feel like, I feel like people, whenever I have stayed up late and gotten tired and been tired in a season of staying up late, it's not by intention, it's by accident. Yeah. It's like what you're, you were saying, drifting. Yeah. And, and like, oh, I just watched one more show on Netflix, you know, because it was so good at cliffhanger. Yeah. And then it's another 45 minutes or whatever. And you didn't mean to, but now all of a sudden it's 1245. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, well, what if we organized that a little better? Again, the idea of an audit and, and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, again, kind of right in the same lane as this. About four years ago, I was struggling with this a good bit. I'd gotten really? out of a sleep routine and all that. I mean, it was right when we moved here. And because in seminary, I just didn't have one. It was, I worked, I was with Janessa, or I was studying and doing work and all that stuff. So I just didn't have one. But I, I heard a podcast and I got the book, a guy named Matthew Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's The book uh, is called Why We Sleep. And it was actually like, and I don't say this lightly, one of the more influential books that I've actually read in the last probably five years or so, because it was just so helpful of uh, helping me see the, the such an importance on sleep. I mean, all the way from uh, like just health concerns, all the way to the way your brain functions, the way the rest of your body functions. Uh, one of the things I remember from it, and this, I mean, he, to preface this, he, like he comes from an evolutionary mm-hmm, bent mm-hmm. and his big so thing. Presbyterian. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he, he would go on to say in the book and on the podcast that mother nature's greatest attempt at immortality is rest. And uh, so what's interesting about that and what I think we can take as believers is like, it's such a crucial thing to the replenishment and health of just our bodies and our minds. And I'm willing to bet our souls and our strengths as well. That it's just this whole piece that we need to make a priority for. Like, it's not some little side thing where, like you kind of had in college, where if you get four or five, that's good enough. Like, we might want to commit some time to it. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I, I really love that. And, and also commit time to knowing what it's going to take in the morning. So planning for that in the evening. Mm. And then one step earlier, not just your bedtime, but... What does it take to calm down so you can sleep? And I'm sure yeah. he said this in the book, and there's several others. Yep. Stress and Adrenaline is another great book. I forget who wrote that. But the idea that adrenaline courses through our body, and and we need to sort of dial it down as we approach sleep. So yep. the last thing you need to be doing, honestly, is reading all sorts of stuff that, you know, political stuff that makes your blood boil. <laughs> like, you it's know, true. you don't need that at 11 o'clock at night. Like, you know, uh, you start thinking, or or the um, the the scrolling and stuff, where either you're like, oh man, they have such a better life than me, or wow, I want to do that, or whatever, or even just the blue light on your screen, like, yeah, it's good to take a step back from that, 
for a few minutes before bed. And a few minutes means whatever you need it to mean. But the point is, how do you get there properly? Like that's all. Like the point is not, hey, here's a legalistic way to do it that everyone has. The point is, we're all going to get there if you think about it. Teach us to number our days aright so we gain a heart of wisdom. Amen. Yeah. So sleep is crucial, but I think, again, it's another gift of God's grace. Like, if, if you were making up a God, you wouldn't make up a God who said, hey, friends, sleep a third of your life and take one day a week off. No other sure. God does that. Every other God yeah. is slave driver. Our God is about, hey, let me give you a life that flourishes and sleep a third of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite a third if you're... I mean, I can't sleep eight hours. I About seven, though. Yeah, I'm not getting eight hours right now. <laughs> Thanks, Harper. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I mean, one last thing here, just for fun. And it's kind of like a catch-all, because, you know, you got to stop somewhere. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and we've, we've hit it, intentionality on the one hand, temperament on the other. And that'll bring you the right rhythms for you. Like everybody is a little different. Yeah. And and we are pretty like I, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't I don't know how driven I am. Like and, and by driven, I I think that means like this overarching desire to succeed and be number one in everything you do. I don't I don't find I have that, but I'm very disciplined. Hmm. And both of those things can accomplish very similar things. You it's get true. a lot done if you're driven or if you're disciplined. Yep. And I feel like, man, I, I get to see a fair amount of of fruit from the energy that I put in, the labor I put into things. Yeah. But it, it, to me, it's from a discipline. Well, that's my temperament. So for me, you know, we as a family, when we had Harper aged kids, we got right on the, on the schedule, you know, which people talk about baby wise or growing kids God's way, this idea of bring the baby into your schedule so that, it, that they learn how to live on your schedule and so you're organizing things. It made perfect sense to us. Hmm. And, and it really freed us up who, uh, you know, we put those kids down to 7.30 at night and we had a whole evening ahead of us and it was great. We got a date every night, you know, but that's our temperament. Yeah. And other kids in families without schedules, well, you look at them now, they're our boys' age. They're great kids. It didn't hurt them. You know, back then we're like, oh no, they're going to be destroyed. No, it's not. It's just so (laughs) temperament, intentionality, though. You can slide into all sorts of silly things, but just be intentional before the Lord and He'll lead you in the way you need the rhythm that works for your own person, for your own temperament. It's so helpful. I just love this. I've just taking an audit of just our time and our really our day book of how we're scheduling things and how we're making things and how, like what are the things that are the big boulders in our lives. And I think we all just need to, I mean, to hear this podcast and and just go, okay, what are the actual things in my life that are those heavy boulders and what's the next thing? And then what's the next thing? And what's the next thing? And actually taking an audit of our time. Because then you're running your schedule. It's not yep. running you. And it's for the glory of God. Yep. And it's only going to benefit you and yeah. then everyone flourishing. else around you too. Yep. Exactly. Flourishing. Well, Jason, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening uh, to this podcast. And make sure you can like it, share it, send it to a friend, all of that. And uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org.